Good morning, Machias family. It's another wonderful family reunion day, and it is so great to see you all here. You're going to find out more about that very soon. What in the world did I get myself into? That's what we're going to talk about. As we go through 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 through 12, now those of you that were here last week might recognize I've backed myself up a couple scriptures and we're going to redo them. Are we ever going to get through this, Tim? I don't know. We keep going backwards. First, we need all of our kids up here. How are you guys doing today? Yeah. Boy, it's good to see you. See, I think I told you last week, mostly this is our kids' jam group, and so we're getting to know one another in the middle of the week, too, which has really been a bonus for me to get to know you guys a little better. Yeah. Why don't you guys go ahead and sit down so that the people out there can see, too. I'm going to have some questions which you will not know the answers to, because I didn't know the answers to them when I looked them up, but, but there will be some things that you can understand as we go through this. First of all... What is this? It is a car. In fact, it looks like about a 1970 um, Camaro. Um, very cool. This was cool when I was a kid uh, growing up in, in high school. So who do you think invented the first internal combustion car? I don't know. Carl Benz. How many of you have heard of Mercedes Benz? Yeah. 1886, Carl Benz created the first car. Do you think it looked like this? No, it didn't. It didn't. Do you think this car looks like the cars that we sell today, that, that are out there today? Uh, a little bit. There's a, actually, they're making a retro version of this. But they change, don't they? Each, each car was a little bit different. What's this? Airplane. It's an airplane. Okay, same question. Who do you think invented the first airplane? Actually, the first motor-operated airplane. Well, any guesses? The Wright brothers, in 1903, invented the first powered airplane. There were gliders before that. And do you think it looked like this? Nope, it didn't. It looked a lot different than this. And does this look like the ones we fly in when we go on vacation? No. No, no this is open, isn't it? So it's different. So this has changed throughout time, hasn't it? Airplanes have changed. Okay, this one you guys will know. Uh-uh-uh. What's this? Baseball. Baseball what? Video game. Come on. This is a video game. How many of you know who invented the first video game? Yeah. Do you have video games? Do you play video games? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty popular. I, I'm not a video gamer guy. I never did play these, but this one <clears throat> is a baseball video. And it was invented, the first video game, I know you guys, are, these are hard questions, was invented by William Higginbotham in 1964. Can you believe it? 1964 was the first video game. Now, they've changed a lot, aren't they? Do you think the one in 1964 <clears throat> looked like this? No. <clears throat> the one I did play, first of all, was called Pong. <laughs> it was a black, it was a black TV screen, and it was a little dot. It went boom, 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 boom. You had to try to <clears throat> that would be totally boring to you guys. Because things have changed. Yeah, Holly? Oh, yeah, thank you. You did. All right. A couple more questions. What's this? Yeah, good idea, huh? Now, do you think you can tell me who invented the first computer? No. I didn't know either. But it was Charles Babbage. This is what's going to shock you. This is going to totally shock you because it was not an electric computer. The first computer was developed in 1870s. But it was mechanical, and they turned some stuff and wheels and whatnot, and the answer came out. Okay, one last one. What's this? Cell phone. Who invented the cell phone? Marty Cooper. 
You know, everybody knows Marty Cooper. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to go back in time and strangle him, but... Um, <clears throat> 1973. Ah, I was still in high school. 1973, first cell phone. All right. What's this? A photo. Of? You know who that is? Say that a louder. Yeah, this is a photo of my family. Who do you think invented families? Oh, can't fool you guys. You knew the most important one. Very good. And when did he invent families? Oh, that's a hard one, huh? Can you go to zero? <laughs> zero. At zero, he invented families at the beginning of time. So here's what it says in, in the Bible. In Genesis 1, 27 and 28. So God created man, people, in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Male and female. Which became a mom and a dad. And he blessed them and he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill up the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God created us in his own image so we could have a relationship with each other and with him. But did he just say, okay, you, I'm going to put you over here, and you, I'm going to put you over here, and we'll just have a good time, just you and I. Did he do that? No, he put them together and said, make families. You guys, I know, I know you and I know your parents, too bad for you. Um, I know you guys have parents that love you. And you do stuff together. How many of you eat together? How many of you guys eat your meals together sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. We do. So do we do that here at church sometimes? Yeah. How about do you guys play together? Yes. As a family, you play together. Do you guys learn sometimes together? Yeah. From, and does, does your mom and dad teach you things? Yes. And do they, hopefully this is, be very careful before you answer. Do they provide you a good example of what parents and Christians are supposed to be? I bet they do. I know your parents. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Don't say anything that you'll regret later. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So this is an aside. One of our friends is a, is a, is a uh, kindergarten, was a kindergarten teacher, and she had to tell the parents, I'll believe half of what they tell me about you if you'll believe half of what they, you know, I, they tell me about you. So I, I recognize sometimes, you know, we, we know more than we probably need to know about our parents. I know that. And, and sometimes we as parents don't do the perfect job, but they're there to provide an example. Okay? Um, <clears throat> so, your family get together every day you get up and you go. And so on Sundays, we have a different family that gets together. What would that be? Our church family. Every time I get up there, pretty much every time I get up there, I say, good morning, church family. And I've called them my forever family, right? Because God didn't just make us as kids. Now, some animals do this, and they have their kids, and, they, and the parents leave, and they never see them again. But your parents aren't like that, and God didn't make us like that. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have my kids, and I'm going to give you parents to kind of nurture you and guide you and teach you, and we're going to be together. But sometimes we have to work too, huh? How many of you have chores at home? Everybody raise their hand. I don't care if you do or not. Okay. <clears throat> okay. You, you should have chores at home. Um, and so we have chores to do here because part of a family means we have responsibilities, right? We have things we have to do which help us to feel more like part of the family. Yeah, when we are invested, when we have a part to play. And I'll bet you if I asked your parents, they would say, you, every single one of you, is a critical part of your family. And they couldn't live without you. And that's how we are. Every single one of our family that's sitting out here is critical. And every one of us plays a part. So we are, have our own little families, but then we also have a big family. You guys stand up. Turn around. 
and say, hi, family. All right. Now you can go downstairs. Thank you so much. All right. So now you'll know the answer to the question on the screen. What did I get myself into? That's right, a family. You were saved by God. Let me ask you a couple questions first, though, as we go through this. As in all Sundays, what do you think God would have us accomplish today? Do you believe that God has an agenda for today? He does. Do you believe sometimes we have an agenda that doesn't line up with God's for today? Sometimes we do. Uh, see, see, there are some things that God wants to do through you and in you today, which is why we're here. Bill talked about kind of why we're here. And so there's a lot of things that, that we would like to accomplish. We would hope that we are bonding as a family. That we come here and, and we grow closer together. That that bond that we share because of our shared Father, God, that when we spend time together, we're getting to know one another and we're bonding closer together, just like a family would, right? Imagine that, just like a family would. We bond. And we're finding unity. We're, we're, we're trying to say, you know what, we, we are coming here and God says, to, and Jesus said to God, Lord, he didn't say, keep them from, keep them from um, anything bad happening. No, he said, help them be one as you and I are one. Unity is really important. And so we come here with the goal of becoming more unified around the things we share in common, which is our faith in God and, and our sonship in Jesus Christ. So hopefully we're, we're becoming more unified and we worship, and we fellowship, and we become equipped, and we learn to serve God by serving one another, all kind of like a family. God has an agenda that looks like that every time we come together, that, that He is changing us from the inside out to understand what it means to be a child of God. Okay, sometimes maybe we're evangelizing a little bit. You know, there might be people, and hopefully there are, hopefully the, you'll invite some that don't know Christ yet so that when they come here, one of the things we can do is we can invite them into the family. God has to actually open their eyes and change their heart, but we can invite people to come here with an opportunity to join God's family. And hopefully we're demonstrating that that's a good thing. So I ask you, to what end is all of this for? If, if I say, okay, we're going to grow in, in, in bonding together, in unity and worship, uh, we're, gonna, we're going to fellowship together, we're going to be equipped, we're going to serve God by serving one another, or maybe we're going to ask some new people into the family. I say, to what end? Because if you're a follower of Christ, then your eternal destiny is already secured. So, so if that's already done, then, then why did God put us together in family groups? Because he wants you to live the abundant life. And in order to do that, he has placed you in the family of God so that together, working in a symbiotic way, we are helping one another to grow in love for God, for, in love for one another, and in knowledge of the Word of God. That's why we're here. We're here because this is the way change happens. God said and could say, I could just send my Holy Spirit in you and change you completely, but here's my plan for you. I am going to raise you up out of the destruction that you were headed for, and I'm going to plop you down in the middle of a family, the family of God, and each one of you will play a part each one of you will be specifically gifted for a specific reason of helping the family to grow and thrive. We're going to see some of those things in Scripture. 
What did I in the world did I get myself into? Well, I got saved, and I'm going to be in heaven with my forever family. Hopefully, again, that's a good thing. Now, one of the things, we're going to see some things in Scripture. First, we're going to talk about what Scripture does say, so you can know that I'm not just telling you something that I made up myself. But family thing is a big thing for me. Um, we had a, a board meeting this last um, week here, in fact, on Friday. And, you know, every once in a while I'll say, okay, what, I'll share with you my vision of where I would like to see Machias Community Church. And it's very simple. I want to grow in love for God and love for others and be a family. I have nothing more complicated than that to give you. I don't have any magical programs. I don't have this this wonderful thing that is going to just catapult us into the stardom of Christianity. I just say, love God, preach the word, love people, and help people to understand that they belong to a family. Families, uh, oftentimes, or I shouldn't say oftentimes, sometimes, that's not a good thing for us, family. Family can be hard. Um, and, and some of you maybe have been really wounded by your family. Um, but that's not God's original intent for his people. It certainly isn't here. And so sometimes that can go the same way. And people come to me, and, and I have friends who have said, I have been deeply wounded by my church family. I'm never going back. Again, that's not... That's not what God intended. And so we're going we're gonna to look at this, and we're going to say, okay, you're going to be talking about today, Tim, and actually it's about, it's about this, this kind of position, uh, the ideal. And Paul is going to be demonstrating to us in 1 Thessalonians, this is the leader of churches as a parent. And it I don't, know, I don't know if you've read through this or, or the life of Paul. He's a pretty tough act to follow. We've seen that in, in number. I've talked about it a number of different times. You know, if you were to throw rocks at me and leave me up here bleeding, I probably wouldn't come back next week. Paul did. Paul did. And, and so we're going to read this, and, and it's going to, he's going to tell us what, and I'm not going to put the word pastor in there. A lot of people are, this is a, a, a sermon about pastors. Uh, it's a sermon about leaders in the church, the pastor being one, because the pastor is merely an elder who teaches and preaches. Okay. But we can look at that and say, what do we do with this? Whenever we read things that are the ideal, God tells us in his word, this is what I want for you. What do we do with that? Hopefully two things you do with that. One of them is you recognize that there is a potential for me to be like that. That the same Holy Spirit that was in Paul is in you. And, and so that I have the potential to be a Paul and have the same characteristics that he had, the same love that he had. Why? Because I'm as good as Paul? No, because the God that is in me is fully capable of making me like Paul if I surrender. Second thing is we use it as an opportunity to examine ourselves in all of the things that we, all the lessons that we read and all the, the teachings that we see in Scripture, we can use those things to say, you know what, I'm not there yet, but I can use this to examine myself and see where I need to still surrender areas of my life back to God. So that's what I'm going to have to do because I'm going to tell you right now, I am not Paul. But this was a section of Scripture where Paul is talking about how he viewed his role as the preaching elder and church planter. And it is certainly something that I have to look at and say, this is what I should be aspiring to. I am, I'm a big fan of Paul. I see him in the work that he did and his courage and his long-suffering and his ability to overcome trials and, and learn from them. And I would love to be that. I'm still working on that and God is still working on me. But, but you should ask yourselves the same thing, because I don't see one thing, not a single thing, even though, we're going to see real quick, that the body is like, the family is like a body. 
And just like a body, there's different parts. And sometimes the parts don't look the same. And some, there, there, there's an ear, and there's a head, and there's a nose, and, there, and there's fingers, and there's toes, and they all have a different function, and it doesn't mean that the head, in fact, it's going to say that when we get there finally at the end of the sermon, if we ever get there, that one part isn't better than the other. Some parts are more visible. But I would say in all the things that I will share with you about Paul and where he fits in as a pastor, you can apply to yourself because there's nothing in there that doesn't show up in Scripture some other place that said God wants you to be just like this. So take this opportunity to say, I'm going to use this to examine myself, and I'm going to find encouragement and hope that, yes, God can do this in me as well. Okay. Long introduction, sorry about that. But just so you know that I'm not making up this whole family thing because I like families, it says in John chapter 1, verse 12, But to all who did receive him, that would be any of you that have accepted Christ as your Savior, and who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Interesting terminology. Why does God call us his children and not just his subjects or his servants or his followers. We're referred to in Scripture many times as the family of God, the children of God. Why is that? Because God invented families for a reason. It is, it is an example of how he views us not as just someone who owes him honor and servitude, but someone whom he is devoted to and deeply loves. And that he is doing these things, sometimes tough love, because he is the good parent. Because he wants us to grow in love and in knowledge of him so that we can experience the abundant life today that he intends for us to have, that finding that joy and peace and satisfaction right now today. Jesus Christ died so you could go to heaven. Jesus Christ died so that you could have the abundant life today. And so he calls us his children. And then he says again in John, 1 John 3, 1, See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So there's, there's a couple things in there that are pretty cool. One, that God is telling us the reason I'm calling you children is because I love you. I could be calling you subjects. I could be calling you my people. But I am calling you children, and, and therefore I am your father because, as, a, as an example to you, I gave you families, and now you can understand the familial love that people can have for one another, which in most of our culture is exclusive to people who are related by blood, although sometimes they don't love one another either very well. But, but we know as Christians that we transcend that and that our family here. Can, can share and have the same sort of sacrificially directed love towards one another. And that is a love that comes from God. This is not a club. This is not an organization or a business. This is not a group of people who have the same hobbies and same interests that just gather together and it's kind of fun to gather. This is a family that is rooted by love. What's the difference? You know, if you hang out with your friends, and maybe you grow to love them, hopefully you do, but, but I can say, why do I have this, with this family? It's based, my, my, my blood family, and I, I would go home as a kid, and, and, and my parents would love on me, and, and, and it, was, it was grouped together by the love that we had for one another that God gave us as families. And, and, and even non-believers have that kind of love, right? They do. They, they love their family and they love their kids and they would sacrifice a lot for them. And, and they gather around together and there's an extended family that's out there. But God says, I've got an even greater family for you and that is your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so at the end of this, I'm going to ask you, does this feel like a family to you? And if it doesn't, we've got to examine the reasons for that. Okay, so then we're going to see something else. 
this is an interesting scripture. And here was Jesus, and he was, he, was, he was teaching, and he was teaching inside of a house. I think it's the one where they dug the hole in the ceiling and dropped the guy down that needed to be healed. And some of, a, of, his, of his people came and said, hey, Jesus, Jesus, while he was speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers were standing outside asking to speak to Jesus. But he replied to the guy who came in and said, hey, your mother and your brother or your sisters are out there, and, and they want to speak to you. And he said to them, who are my mother, who is my mother, and who are my brothers? And then stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, Here, here are my mothers and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. What is he saying there? I call you guys my forever family. What he's saying is that the family of God transcends even your blood family. It's hard. Hopefully that's true. Hope, I'm not saying, okay, you need to just shun your, your blood family. Just all of your connections would be. No, God wants you. and There are responsibilities of being a blood family member. But guess what? When he said, I put you in not a club, not a company, not a group of people who just like, like one another, not just a group of people who have the same interests. I'm putting you in a family because with that you will understand from your example of family in, in your blood that there are things that you need to do, that there are responsibilities, that there's sometimes uh, discipline that has to happen, uh, that, that you guys love one another sacrificially, that, that you find ways of overcoming your differences and come together around the unity of being a family. I gave you the family as an example of my big family so that you can incorporate the same kinds of thoughts and behaviors into your forever family that you do with your earthly family. And so we're going to see Paul making those same kinds of things. And so then we also recognize that God gave us the example of a body, and I'm going to explain that a little bit more here. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though we are many, are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. We belong to one another. Whether you like that or not, I mean, you come here and you gather up and you realize that when you walk through the door that you belong to one another. That's what the Bible says. We take it sometimes as just, hey, this is the thing i got to do, and I can check a box and come on a Sunday. I can call myself a church member, and I can just kind of do my thing on Sunday. But the rest of the time, i, I got other stuff going. That might be our view of what we're doing, but it's not God's view. God's view says, no, I made you a family. Here's another example so you can totally understand this. A body. I made you like a body to function like a body. Then I know if I whack off an ear, it's going to hurt. We are connected through the Holy Spirit that came in here with each one of you that are followers of Christ to become a unified body with different parts, with specific functions to edify the whole, which we're going to see in just a minute. And there are varieties of activities, but... It is the same God who empowers them in all and everyone. And to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit or the gift of the Spirit or the talent of the Spirit for the common good. So God puts his families together. And he has every prerogative to move people around when he wants to. And, and so sometimes we see people come in from other families and, and then we, they go out. And God has every right to do that because the big family, the, 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 the universal family belongs to him. But when you're here, you belong to us, and I belong to you. And we're all here for the purpose of helping one another to grow in love and knowledge of Christ so that we can grow and experience the abundant life and go to heaven and grow and be transformed by the power of God's Holy Spirit in us so that we can become more like Christ. That is God's intention for his kids. After this one's over, this life is over, he's got a totally different thing for you, which is super, super cool. But for now, he says, look, I saved you. I brought you to me. I opened your eyes and changed your heart. And now I want to grow you for my glory and your good into my image. 
So here we go, and we're going to start. You're going to see, I think very clearly, you're going to see Paul describing the role of the leader or the, I'm going to call him the, um, uh, the adoptive parent or the foster parent. Because he's really just an under-shepherd. This is the under-shepherd. This group, this group that, and I am trying to get our group up here as much as possible, that your group of elders, I can tell you, this is what we aspire to. This, we are here not as, a, as a, some sort of corporate board. We are here as people who love God, love one another, and want to serve the flock and the body sacrificially in love. And we need to do the things that Paul is talking about. Not just me, but our entire leadership group. And we've been getting together and we want you to know we love you. We are serving you, not because it's an obligation, not because I signed up for a position and all of a sudden I've got these functions that i got to do, but because sacrificially God has risen up leaders in this church who he has given discernment and knowledge and wisdom, and they are serving you with love as effectively as we can, and you need to pray for us all the time. But again, the same things that God is expecting of his leaders, he's expecting from all of his children, just in different ways at times. So here's Paul, starting in verse 7. But we were very gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Imagine that, a nursing mother. He's using this illustration to say, when we came to you, it wasn't like, okay, we're just trying to start a new church someplace so that we can have more popularity. We came to you, and we invested into you, and we nurtured you and cared for you as a mother might do with her infant child. And and what is he saying that he's giving them? So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share not only the gospel of God, but ourselves because you had become very dear to us. Picture back your parents, your mother, who would get up in the middle of the night to feed you and give you nourishment, not because she was obligated, but because she loved you. And because she wanted to nurture you, and so he is saying, when we came to you, we brought you nourishment. What? It wasn't milk. What was it? The most important thing that there is, he brought. I think it was Peter and one of the other disciples came to the guy that was, I think it was that, uh, and and he was... I think lame or blind or something, and they, and they said, silver and gold we don't have, but let me share with you what we do have. The word of God now be healed. And the healing part was cool, but what was really cool was they were going to share with him the gospel. That's what Paul was bringing. I, am, I love you so much that even though it's not popular, even though I'm going to maybe be persecuted for it, I'm coming to you and I love you and I want to nurture you and I want to hold you like a mom holds a child, but I want to share with you the most important thing I have, which is the message of the gospel. Now, that's, that's what I have to do. I have to look at you, and I know some of this can be hard, um, like you're my kids. And, and I, I remember getting up here and saying one time, you know, it's kind of weird because there were people that were decades older than me, but I was teaching um, the contenders class, and, and, and I felt like every time we got together, this is my kids, and we're just getting together, and I'm, I'm, I'm sharing this knowledge that, that, that somebody else put together mostly. But, but it felt like that. It felt like, hey, you're my, you're my kids, and, and, let's all, and we had such a good time together. And that's what, that's what we need to do as, as leaders here. We're trying to to nurture you in love as if you were our kids. And I know that's a hard uh, thing to jump to because some of you are still older than I am. But that is the attitude, that parent-like attitude that Paul had to bring them what, what he had. For remember, brothers and sisters, our labor and toil. We work night and day that we may not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. How many of you remember those kinds of things from growing up? Hey, your parents would trot off to work every day, right? And they were working, and some of it was to support them. But I, re- I know as a, fa- as a father and a father of four kids, I went out and I did my deal, not because it was fun, but I was supporting those that I loved so I could come home and we could 
meet the needs that we had as a family. And Paul is saying, look, I labored night and day so I wouldn't be a burden to you just like a father would be. Just I, I'm going I'm to work and pay my own way so you don't have to support me so that you'll know I am doing this not for money, not, not, not for, for you to like me, but I'm doing this because I love you. And I'm going to give it my all. And I'm going I'm to work. And this is going to be hard. He's working to support himself while starting churches. I did that for a long time. I am so grateful. And i got to tell you, just share with you, and I know we're going to probably run late today, and we got the family room thing too, but a couple of things. You guys have no idea how grateful I am to you to have this opportunity. A vast portion of my time here at Machias, I worked very hard on the outside to support my family and, and tried to do as much churching as I could because I loved the family of God here. And it was such a blessing. And it was like, I can't believe this. It's a dream come true. I get to do what I love most and not have to go work somewhere else. Secondly, this is probably doesn't relate that much, but I, I want you guys to know how unbelievably grateful our family is to live next door. I didn't want to move. I didn't want to move in over here. But we have moved in there, and I want you to know we, how much we appreciate your giving us that opportunity. It has worked out so amazing for our family. So thank you so much. So here it is. He toiled night and day so he wouldn't be a burden to anyone while he proclaimed the gospel, just like a parent. Does this just sound like somebody would, that, that, that you work with? Does this sound like somebody that in your group of fishing buddies that just works night and day so he can provide all the tackle and all the stuff and pay for your trip? I don't think so. This, in, this involves someone who loves others like a family. You are witnesses in God as well. How holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you as believers. Another responsibility of parents, and I ask these guys, you know, without actually asking them because I don't want to know. <laughs> are we providing that kind of example for our kids at home? Okay, Paul is saying, look, I understand as your kind of step parent, your foster parent, I need to provide to you an example of what God wants from his children. And so he was, look, do you guys remember? And God is my witness. He knows my motives. He knows my heart. He knows the secret things. When no one else is looking, and I was blameless and righteous towards you. Is he bragging? No, he's not bragging. He's saying, look, I understand what it means to live your faith. I understand if I really want to nurture you as children and see you come along and grow into maturity, that we as leaders need to provide an example of living out your faith in real life. And so we recognize as leaders that we're under scrutiny from you, and we should be. And when we fall short, we need to be called to task about it lovingly. Because we recognize that living out an example is how people learn and see. We see it all the time. You hear it all the time. I don't want to see what you're telling me. I want to see how you're living it. And the world is out there looking at Christianity and saying, look, Quit telling me your little maxims of Christianity and, and, and if you died, are you going to go to heaven? I want to see you live out your life so that I see something that I want that I don't have. And so we recognize that as a parent, that is a responsibility we have. And as leaders of the church, we have that responsibility to not just tell you what you should be doing, not just take God's word and, and give it to you and say, this is what you need to be, but we need to be living it ourselves and we are, and we, I mean, we are doing it. We are questioning ourselves constantly to see, are we living out our faith? Because, frankly, the Word says we're under more scrutiny from God. If you read that, it's kind of scary in Scriptures, that those who are in this position are judged 
more closely because God recognizes that this example, the perfect example that we had in Jesus, was that he was living out his faith. Now, I'm going to throw that back at you again and say, guess what? It's no different for you. You need to live your faith as an example in your own family, as an example in your job. As I'm going to stop there. <clears throat> that row back was invited by this row right here. He was living out his faith. Clayton was living out his faith in his workplace, and now two of his, co his co-workers are here. Thank you, Clayton. We need to be doing that. We are missionaries in a mission field. It isn't just me. I'm a missionary pastor. It's called Village Missions for a reason because they have said, Tim, you need to be a light not just to Machias Community Church but to the entire community of Machias, and you need to equip your people to go out and shine the light and share the hope in this community. Each one of you is a missionary just like me, just like Paul. And you are in a mission field which I will probably never have access to in your personal life. And so we can take this example and say, yeah, it applies to pastors, but it also applies to you. Your witnesses, how they lived their faith. Paul and Timothy and Silas. Sacrificing their time. And like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom. Like a father, we recognize the responsibility to encourage, to exhort, sometimes to discipline, sometimes to correct. Because as a father loving their children, we recognize that no rules mean no love. Now, that's not real popular right now. Unfortunately, in, in, in the parental raising of kids, you know, you can't discipline. Oh, you want to make sure little Johnny's always successful and make sure that you, you know, completely eliminate any possibilities of failure. That is not the kind of love that breeds responsible children. And God knows that as the perfect parent, and he is giving us the example that sometimes you, they need encouragement. That's your job, leaders, church leaders. Sometimes they need to be corrected under the right path. That's your job, church leaders. Always in love. Always <clears throat> pointing out not my way of doing things, but God's way. Charged to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. We're here as leaders to lead, not in man's way, but in God's way. We are here to lead you down a path of not my idea of what should be happening at Machias Community Church, but God's idea of what should happen at Machias Community Church. That is the job of a parent. That is the job of the church leaders. However, that is your job in your life where you take that role, where you have a leadership position, where you might be in your job, in your family, in your extended family. You might be the only Christian in your extended family. That puts you in a leadership position to say, hey, I want to be out there sharing the hope I have with the people that I have been given an opportunity to talk to. It's a heavy responsibility, this job, sometimes. And I don't mean just, just me. I mean the elders. And we take it very seriously. But it's also a heavy job for you at times when you are placed in a position where you are the one that knows God in a room full of people that don't. It takes courage. It takes stamina. All of those things that it take, take come from God. And so, to finish, <clears throat> I'm going to go through Corinthians chapter 12, and we will see how God views his family. And you will see that the position of leader is not more glorified, is not better, oh, you're more a better Christian, you're, you're higher on the hierarchy of Christianity. No, not true. But as it is, God arranges the members of his body, each one of them as he chose, 
if we were all a single member, where would the body be? Clearly, <clears throat> if this room was a group full of leaders, nothing would happen. If it was just a bunch of followers, probably not much would happen either. But God knows what it takes for the family. And there have to be some leadership, and then there has to be those that are, that are doing stuff. But he's going to tell us it's necessary that we have all parts, every single one. Whatever part it is that he's given you, you are necessary. And as those parts, okay, as it is there are many parts, one body, the eye can't say to the hand, ha, I'm an eye. I am much better than you. I don't need you. I can't say to anybody here, oh, well, yeah, you know, we got some people that are really do stuff, but there's a bunch of, eh, they're just kind of dead wood. I can't say that. God has placed you here with something inside of you that he gave you specifically to serve the body so that you can grow in love for God and one another so that you can experience the abundant life of joy, peace, and satisfaction now. And if you aren't using those things, you are cheating yourself. God will get the job done without you. He wants you to be a part because he's given you a part in the body. And when you are not functioning using the gifts he gave you to the betterment of the entire body, you're just cheating yourself. We love you enough to say we don't want that to happen. We are, we are tasked, and we had this, this board meeting on Friday, and we are trying to figure out how can we mobilize and, and create ministry opportunities for every single person in the body at Machias. Because we know from experience that serving others is the key to joy. But sometimes we need encouragement. And sometimes we need a little structure. And sometimes we need some sort of a plan so that people will be energized and understand and, and do and use the gifts that God's given them. And find that serving others is where joy belongs, where joy happens. And so he says, the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. So we can't judge people or say that, you know, one part is more important than the other. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. There are some of you that are serving behind the scenes that this church would be in great problem if you weren't doing it and nobody sees it. But you are indispensable according to Scripture. And then it says, and those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, maybe the feet, I don't know, whatever, pick your own part, we bestow greater honor, and on the unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. See, God knows that there are some positions that are up front. Okay, you see people all the time. Oh, look at, look at the, the elders. They're, they're, they, they, they're out there out front, and they're up here talking and and. And so God says, guess what? I'm going to honor them less. I'm going to honor you more because you're doing it and maybe, maybe you're, nobody's seeing it. So even though you think, well, I'm not very high up in the hierarchy here at Machias, um, God knows who you are and he is honoring you greater for the service that you do when maybe no one else sees it. Which are more presentable parts do not require, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lack it, that there may be no division among the family. We can just insert family everywhere it says body. But that the members may have the same care for one another, so that if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. I hope that's where we are. I hope we are to the point that we love one another so much that when somebody is going through a trial or a problem that everybody is suffering together. And, I, and I'm not trying to say you need to suffer, but if something really bad is going on to someone I love, it hurts me. And when something, maybe this one's even harder, and when someone else gets something, and maybe it's something I wanted, or maybe they got some recognition, or, or maybe they got you know, their dream come true, or they got this great house, or this great job, or, or, or they're really thriving in their service to God, I don't want to be jealous. I don't want to envy them. I want to say, isn't that great? 
Isn't that great what God's doing for them? That blessing that they're receiving? It's almost like I'm getting it too because I love you and you're my family. That's where we want to be, people. That's where we want to be as a family. That no matter what's going on, if it's hurting you, it's hurting me. And if it's good for you, it's good for me. And I can share in that. Because we are bound together by love for one another, by the love that we got from Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit when he changed our hearts and our minds to be children of God. Let's pray. Um, Father, we are. Uh, we take so much for granted as human beings, it's very, very easy for us to think it's all about us most of the time. Or to think that somehow we're out here all by ourselves and it's the only thing that's important is that we have a relationship with you and we don't really have a responsibility to anybody else. We just have to, you know, we, and it's hard enough taking care of us. And we, we mess up and, and it seems like, boy, it's a, just a full-time job just trying to keep on top of the sins that we're doing. But you've given us opportunities you get you'll give us the time you give us the gifts to serve one another and so lord help us to understand that we are part of a family and that with that comes both privileges and responsibilities and one of one of the jobs i know you've given us as leaders is to make that message clear so that your children will grow and find the abundant life that you've given us an opportunity to have right here today so lord we just pray that you'll continue to help us to grow and lord i am so grateful when i look out and i see it almost on a daily basis your people loving on each other and it happens all the time and i know there's a lot i don't see but lord i am so proud of these people and it is such a blessing and an encouragement when i look out and see the love of god being demonstrated as they come alongside each other in different ways and different times. So, Father, I just thank you and praise you for that. I ask that you continue to work in us, and then we will stand back in awe and amazement as we see you change people to be more like you. So, again, we just give you thanks in advance for what you're going to do both in us and through us. In the name of your precious Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.